Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. So when I was nine years old, uh, my mom, my stepdad got married. We moved to Germany. And when that happened, I went from living with my mom and my grandparents and my aunts to now living overseas. We lived in this little village in Germany, and we only had German TV. And my German was not very good. I was nine years old, and this was a disappointment. And it was a challenge to leave behind family, all that I knew, to move to this whole new culture and place. It was like, where am I? What am I doing? Who will I be? My grandfather is a wonderful man. And uh, to show his love for me and his concern for me and my family, what he began to do was to get very concerned that we were missing out on American television. (laughs) And so he began to record television for us on VHS tapes. Do you remember those? This is how old I am. So it used to be before Netflix, they would mail you DVDs in the mail. You could watch things. Before Netflix was my grandfather, who would record boxes and boxes of television, whatever was currently on, reruns as well. I was very into game shows as a child. I was a peculiar child. He would record these game shows and then take this box of tapes to the post office. Took about two weeks for them to get across the ocean and we would open up this box. He had it happen about every week. He would send us another box so this recurring gift would arrive, this this artifact of America, (laughs) right to our doorstep. It's a silly thing as I think about it, and yet so beautiful. This gift, this act of love that my grandfather was expressing because more than that, I could keep up with whatever cartoon or show that I was into. He wanted us to have a connection. To know that there would be a connection between us that would not burn out. He just illustrated it with some tapes. Today, we begin a new series looking at identity as revealed to us in the Old Testament. And we'll be looking specifically at the book of Exodus. We'll be hitting some of the highlights of the Exodus story. And as we look at Exodus, I want us to remember that the stories here that we'll be engaging with were stories that were so central to the identity of the people of God. In fact, we know that these stories in Genesis and Exodus, they had been passed down verbally and shared together over the generations. And then scholars tell us what happened is that a point later in the history of Israel, the people were invaded by a nation called Babylon. They were divided and pulled out of their home, put into a new place surrounded by a new culture with new religions around them for the first time, and they took these stories, and they turned to them, 
In fact, we think this is likely when they went from being stories that were passed by mouth to actually written down and said, here they are. We cannot forget this about us. About who we are. The people were scattered, but they looked back at their stories of faith to remember who they are. Perhaps today, as we think about who we are as Christians in America in 2022, we see that we're in a time that looks different than times we were in before when it comes to faith. There's always now less attendance in church, less cultural connections to church, less assumptions we can make about faith. And I think it is such an exciting time to be a Christian. Where we can strip away the cultural influences and then reorient ourselves around the stories of God that shape us. What does it mean to be part of the people of God? Who are we? These stories, the stories we'll encounter in Exodus, will never burn out in us. These stories were the stories that the people of God relied on when the world was confusing and frightening and they were overwhelmed. These we can turn to when we ask the question, who am I? Perhaps you're asking that question today. Who am I to make a difference in this world? Who am I to parent these children right now? Who am I? On this side of retirement, who am I to make an impact in these relationships? Who am I to cast a ballot on Tuesday and hope for the best? Who am I? Who am I to volunteer, teach a course, lead a song, preach a sermon? Today we will look at those questions while we look at this core story from the book of Exodus. The biblical scholar Carol Myers says that Exodus is arguably the most important book in the Old Testament. It presents the defining features of God's people's identity. It's the memories of their past marked by their hardships of escape, their promises with God, a God who chose them and established them as a community with a way of life. So let's turn to Exodus We'll begin in chapter 2. These are familiar passages. We'll start in verse 11. We're going to look at big chunks of Scripture today as we look at this story and see what it tells us about who we are. Exodus 2, verse 11. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people, the people of Israel, and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian. He hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses was afraid and thought, Surely this thing is known and when the Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. So Moses fled from Pharaoh. 
He settled in the land of Midian, sat down by a well. The priest of Midian there had seven daughters. They came to draw water, fill their troughs to water their father's flock. But some shepherds came, drove them away. Moses got up, came to their defense, and watered the flock. When they returned to their father, Raleigh, he said, How is it you've come back so soon today? They said, An Egyptian helped us against the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Where is he? Why'd you leave the man? Invite him to share a meal. So Moses agreed to stay with the man. He gave Moses his daughter Zipporah in marriage. She bore him a son. He named him Gershom. For he said, I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. That's what Gershom means. Verse 23, After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Their cry for help rose to God from their slavery. God heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant, His promise with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites. And God took notice. God paid attention to them. So we enter into the story and we find the people of God had gone down to Egypt to avoid famine. And as time has passed, they've grown in numbers and the Egyptians get nervous. Decide to enslave the people. But they continue to grow in numbers. So the Pharaoh decides that he will have all baby boys killed. And yet, thanks to the activism and resistance of some incredible women in the story, midwives and Moses' mother and Moses' sister and Pharaoh's daughter doing this Incredible work of rebellion against this tyrant's orders. Moses survives. There's a whole sermon in there about women doing the work. We'll do that one another time. Moses lives to be an adult. In fact, in Pharaoh's palace, but he still identifies with his Hebrew people. And within him is burning this desire for justice. To the point where he strikes back and an Egyptian slaver kills him. Moses flees, heads to the wilderness we find, and there is connected to a family. We see even at the well, he's still passionate about justice. He stands up for the daughters there and then lives as a shepherd. I wonder what Moses must have been thinking about all those years in the wilderness. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? What have I done? Who are you? What are you passionate about? It won't be the same as everyone else, but when you look within yourself, what fire has God lit within you? I must have continued to burn in Moses. As he did his thing, hung out with his family, cared for some sheep. That can be lonely work. Think about those long, quiet days. To think about what he'd done and where he'd been. To think about those moments in Egypt. His reaction to the slaver. His care for his people.
Where has God lit passion within you? As we ask that question, who am I? It's so important to ask, what has God given me? Where do I feel burdened? The challenge is often we feel the burden immediately and we act on it quickly and act on it impulsively, often with disastrous results. Thomas Merton said this, and I find it so helpful. The one who attempts to act and do things for others or for the world without first deepening their own self-understanding and freedom and integrity and capacity to love will not have anything to give others. They will communicate nothing but the contagion of their own obsessions, own aggressiveness, own ego-centered ambitions and delusions about ends and means, doctrinaire prejudices and ideas. Who are you? You've been given passions and burdens. But I think as we look at the story of Moses, we see that Moses needed some time to reflect. What has God given you? Moses spends this time in quiet and reflection, in growth, and probably assuming his time for impact had passed. And then we get to chapter 3. The text says this, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, another name for the name we saw earlier, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness. You didn't even know you could go beyond the wilderness. This is his reflection. He goes out into these desolate places and he comes to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Later, well, God will speak there to all of the people. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. And he looked and the bush was blazing, but it wasn't consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Okay, just pause for a second. We're familiar with the story. God spoke out of the bush. <laughs> Moses, <laughs> Moses. And he said, here I am, <laughs> right here. And the Lord said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground, a sign of, of respect. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out out of a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey. To the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jezubites, the cry of the Israelites has come to me. I've seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Oh, there's so much beauty here. So much we learn about God here. I know their sufferings 
and I have come down. This is the good news all throughout the scripture. This is the story of Jesus. I know your sufferings and I have come down. But before God has revealed God's self in Jesus, God has revealed God's self in a burning bush. Fire in the Old Testament is a frequent side for God's presence. And so we see this flame, but the shrub is not being burned up. There's lots of interpretations on why that might be, but one that I find beautiful and compelling is that in this image, so we find a picture of a God who is committed to God's people. That God will get so close to them and yet, somehow, the God of the universe full of power would be with them but would not destroy them. <laughs> God had lit something within Moses. A passion for justice. But Moses was used to having his passion for justice singe himself and everybody around him. But now he saw a flame more brilliant than anything he could light and it did not engulf. Here we see that God has given us passions and gifts and power and when we access them through God and through our closeness with God, our growing character and Christ-likeness in our self-reflection, we can act and not be burned up. Verse 11 of chapter 3, Moses said to God, who, who am I, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And the Lord said, I'll be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this very mountain. Which is a helpful sign, but it's a sign that will come at the end. <laughs> He's like, okay, I need, I need some upfront proof. <laughs> this is the first of five attempts Moses makes to say, no, thank you. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who am I to go before Pharaoh? I knew the old Pharaoh, and, and our relationship wasn't so good, and now there's a new Pharaoh, and I don't know if you've realized this, but I've been out in the wilderness for a while and I don't smell so good and maybe my diplomacy skills have kind of faded a little bit. I've been on the farm for a minute. Who am I? I've tried to make a difference and I've always just caused a mess. Who am I? But the God who is at work in the burning bush is at work in Moses and works in you and is still shaping, still forming, still has things for you. Whether you're 12 or 25 or 37 or 89 or 100 plus. So you remember those people of Israel trapped in exile hundreds of years from this point looking back at this story and saying, oh yeah, God's not done yet. Who are we? God specializes in those who say, who am I? 
Verse 13, Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say, uh, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll say, what's his name? So what do I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, you shall say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my title for all generations. The Lord answers Moses' question of who am I? With this incredible revelation, God says, I am who I am. You could translate it, I will be who I will be. I create what I create. I mean, in other words, you can't even grasp it, but I am who I am. And then God gives Moses something more tangible. Tell them I'm the God who was there before. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Maybe that's what you need to hear. This God is the God who has been there always. And God says, tell them I, have, I am sending you. That that God is still at work. Still nearby. Still will be. And so when we ask that question, who am I? You need to know that your potential for impact is directly related to the potential of the God who called you. I love how one commentator says it when he says Moses feels like his eye is inadequate for the task. Do you ever feel like your eye is inadequate for the task? Me too. And the Lord responds by saying that it is his eye that is to be reckoned with. I will be with you. I am sent you. Here's the truth. If we rely only on our I, we will burn up and burn out every time. I've been there. Look what I can do. Look how I hold it all together. Look at this. Or we as Christians sometimes will look to a figure, look at that talented pastor, we will put everything on them just to watch them burn out. Moses' eye is inadequate for the task. So is yours. So is mine. We're talking about cultural change here. Freeing a whole people. I mean, who is Moses? But God says, I am with you. Now Moses will continue to say no. Again and again. Even to the point where he says, he says Lord, I'm not even a very good speaker. I think, you've just, I think you're just at the wrong address. But in Exodus 4, you can read the whole thing, but he eventually says, okay, well, your brother Aaron is already on the way. He's going to help you speak. Don't worry about that part. And then he says in 4.17, and take in your hand this staff, which you shall perform miracles. 
Moses saying, I'm not ready. I don't think I can handle it. Are you sure? Are you sure? And the Lord says, oh, by the way, take your shepherd's staff. That would not be reassuring to me. Hey, you're going to go face the Pharaoh. Make sure you bring your shepherd's staff. What? (laughs) Moses will go. Moses will go, and he will go empowered because of the I am who sent him. I want to skip ahead to a slide that's the artwork. If you could pull that up. Um, There it is. Um, And this is a a famous painting. It's called The Trials and Calling of Moses by Botticelli. And it's in the... uh, the Sistine Chapel on one of the walls there. And if you can see it, it's, it's designed to show us all about different things that Moses went through. And if you see down here in the corner, on the right, we see Moses with his sword attacking the slaver. Now the story moves from the right to the left, the well, and eventually him leading people. But there in the top left corner, we see Moses receiving this message of go, I am with you. And I want you to notice in his arms, the staff. And I love this image because what we see is this progression from the Moses who relied on himself with the sword in his hand. Look what I can do. To a Moses with a staff. And that's it. The staff and the power of God. One writer says perhaps Moses needed some reminding. As he is about to leave behind forever his world of shepherding, why would he need a staff? But the staff is to become this player in the narratives. The staff will humble the greatest world's power at the time. This raised staff will call the water of the seas to part and allow Moses to shepherd his people through it to the other side, onto the mountain. And God will use this shepherd of lowliness and unimportance to bring about the central saving act of the Old Testament. Moses, don't forget your staff. am I? You are loved. You are empowered by a God who is of all power and of all love. And Moses' story, this God act of saving, points to Jesus. When God, Creator, Father, God of all things, took on flesh to be with us in Christ that we might be right with God and be one with God and partner with God, that God would hear us and be with us, do whatever it takes, even be killed and come back to life with us. Remember. My grandpa gave me those VHS tapes. He spent hours programming a VCR labeling the little tapes, driving to the post office. He had to fill out all these customs things. What are these worth? Nothing. (laughs) I don't even want to know what he paid for shipping. It was probably foolish. 
because he wanted me to know that he was with me. And in the same way as we read the stories of Exodus, we find God is like that with us. Whatever it takes to be with us, to remind us, to create in us a way of being and living a passion that won't burn us up, but will fuel us to do His work in this place. That He has put things within you that burn. But they don't have to burn up. He has invited us to a relationship where we are equipped, not by our own means, but by God's means to make deep, powerful impact. Who are you? You're wonderfully and fearfully made. And we are called to look inward, to wrestle, to let go of self and embrace the God who is for us and who is with us. And when you feel like you are inadequate, know that the one who is with you is greater than all things. There is one who gave you that fire and gives you a way of life that won't burn you up. God hears and God is close and God is with us. Years and years later at a meal, remembering this very story where God set God's people free, Jesus sat down with his followers and he asked them also to remember And the thing that we are invited to remember is not a staff, not a sword, but a cup, a loaf of bread. Symbols to remember like a box of VHS tape of who we are and who is with us and who loves us. Of all that burns within us and with God and know that we are invited to participate in what God is doing in this world. To remember the bread. To remember the cup. To remember sacrifice. And remember hope. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, Through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.